Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you. It's Drive Time Radio right here on 1150 KKNW, New York. Vinny hanging out with you on a, I, I guess you could call us a humid um, Saturday morning. It's a little, at least up here in the, at the Esperance Media Studios in Edmonds, you can cut the air uh, with a knife. It's cool. It's not like that New York City uh, kind of hot, humid, uh, but it's still nonetheless uh, kind of thick. The air is a little thick, which isn't bad. I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's at least it's not like a hundred degrees or something. Remember that from last year? Oh man, how you doing out there? Everybody on Facebook, how are you doing too? We got an action-packed show for you. Excuse me, I had to wet my whistle a little bit here as we uh, get ready to hit the uh, hit the ground running. Uh, action-packed show for you today. We're going to talk to uh, Joni Purcell, who's ridden her Harley Davidson along with a friend all around the country, all around the continent, uh, raising money for our good friends at Drive Tour to Cure. And um, uh, we are going to delve into the world of vintage trailers. We got a Lexus, uh, not a Lexus, excuse me. See, that's how nice it is. It's a Toyota Avalon, but it's as nice as a Lexus that we're going to delve into. And uh, we will uh, also give you the lowdown on the Hyundai Santa, uh, Santa Fe. Not Santa Cruz, the Santa Fe, the Santa Cruz is the pickup truck. Anyway, we've got all of that coming up for you. we got a lot to pack into an hour, so let's get to it as quickly as we can. Uh, we've spoken to Joni Purcell before. She's out on the road uh, with her Harley Davidson and a friend of hers, and she is riding around this beautiful country of ours, and I believe she's also riding around uh, the beautiful country of Canada, too to raise funds for something that's uh, close to my heart, close to many people's heart. And that is uh, to try to find, uh, to try to eradicate uh, Parkinson's disease. The research and everything costs so much money and the wonderful folks that drive toward a cure. I don't know if you remember last year, we talked to Jeff Ehuden uh, weekly uh, on his travels with his Toyota Tacoma pickup all over the country. Well, Joni has been on the road this year and raising money, and she has done a fine job of that. And anytime I get a chance to talk to someone on a Harley Davidson, I seize the opportunity. And because that's what you have to do in life. You have to seize the opportunity. So uh, please join me in welcoming Joni Purcell, uh, who is out on the road. Or I don't know, Joni, are you home now? No, I'm still on the road. We're in um, Montana and by Anaconda, Montana, which is Anaconda, my Montana. It sounds like something from a Three Stooges uh, short. Anaconda, Montana. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. What is right what now, whereabouts but... in the state is Anaconda? Um, we are. We just left. Where did we leave? Bozeman, or, uh, huh? Butte, Montana. We've been on the road about an hour. It's been raining. It's cloudy. It looks like it could actually snow, and it's cold, but uh, it's beautiful. Well, you know, they're calling for snow up here uh, in Washington State, all the way over to Idaho, uh, up uh, you know to high elevations. So, for those of you who think uh, summer is just a week away, which it is, 
Uh, here comes winter, just to remind you what it's like. <laughs> how is it? Uh, how is it? Is it tough handling that bike in the rain, or is it? Uh, I've often wondered that. A, a large uh, Harley Davidson like you ride, is it tough to ride that thing in the rain? It's not the it's not the rain that's hard. It's the wind. And yesterday we had probably 140 miles of pretty fierce winds um, because you're going down the road and you can get used to the lean. But when you go on a bridge, it stops. And then when you go through sides of the road that are higher than the road, it stops. And then when you come out, it's it's a it's a push. So I. I think the wind is the hardest thing to ride in. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, I would imagine that the, uh, on a smaller bike, maybe it doesn't affect you, but there's a lot of mass to uh, the Harley that you're driving, especially. And I, I would think it throws you around a little bit. It's not, I, I actually think smaller bikes might be more difficult on that wind because at least the weight, we have weight and, um, I know it kind of scares cars because it can come up and grab you, and and there have been times, many times, people get forced in the other lane of traffic. It's just that's probably the hardest thing. See now, Johnny, I'm a big guy, so I have you know weight's never a problem for me. I don't, it could be a hurricane out there, and I don't move, so <laughs> <laughs> you stay in one place, you know. <laughs> I, I bet you would, Vinny. I bet you would. Yeah, I, I probably would. So, how many miles have you uh, have you accrued now since uh, since you started on this trip? I think we spoke to you the last time, just as you were going out on the road. I understand that you're in the uh, in the thousands. We are currently at eight thousand sixty five miles point one. So we're going to end this ride um, probably at eighty. Probably at eighty four, eighty five thousand. Wow, that's amazing. And um, eighty four hundred. Well, sorry, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of miles on it. But any 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 way you slice it, it's a lot of miles in a car and a truck, uh, especially the short amount of time that uh, you have been doing it. Uh, now we'll get to the Harley factory in a minute because I know about the reception that you got in Milwaukee uh, from the folks at Harley. But um, besides the Harley, what's been the highlight so far of the trip? Oh, the highlight. The people uh, we have met have been really fun and interesting. I think it's the sights. It's still how beautiful our country is, and we get to drive on right on some back roads that today there isn't a car that we've seen for quite a long time. And when you've got the backdrop of this crazy-looking sky with these luminous clouds, it's it's just breathtaking. I think um, we've had some great adventures, like you brought up the Harley uh, opportunity. It's it's just we're going to have to go home and digest all of it because it's happened so fast, and 34 days has gone by, and I can't. I can't remember everywhere we've been because it's you. You find a place to land, crawl in a bed, you get up, and you head on. Yeah, so it feels like we've just been continually going, but we do take the break, and we've taken a lot of time to see some sites that we would never have been able to see had we not been on this ride. It has um, 
uh, let's see, how can I phrase this? Has America, to you, uh, to how you feel, has America changed post-pandemic? Have you seen people more offish or are they more friendly? Or is there anything you notice about the post-pandemic uh, America that uh, maybe is different than it was pre-pandemic? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to say that people in the Midwest are absolutely the kindest people that I've ever met. Everybody's happy. They're optimistic. We didn't get to um, interact with a lot on the East Coast. It was pretty fast. But people, people are pretty happy to be out of, out of their time out. You still see people with their masks on. And, you know, I remember when everybody was masked up and somebody wasn't masked up, uh, it was like, you have cooties and I have to stay away from you. Yeah. I think it's gotten better. People seem to be more participatory in interacting. But I haven't, I haven't experienced, you know, Canada, France, Canada was probably our most unfriendly um, area because they really don't care for Americans, the ones that we ran into. Uh, but everyone the, uh, in the U.S. seems to be very accepting and and happy to be moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because, you know, usually it's the other way around. The Canadians are very, you know, except, yeah, like you say, in, in French, you know, in Quebec and places like that. Yeah, yeah. it's still... Um, it still can be a little tough sometimes. Um, on, well, Canada on... was really great, except Quebec was was not as uh, warm and welcoming. Well, you know what, you know what, Johnny, I'll tell you a little secret about Quebec. Um, when I was a kid, my father used to take us up there all the time, and the Cracker Jack boxes were all mm-hmm. in white. They weren't in uh, like they weren't the colored boxes like we had. It was just a white box, and I think that made yeah. them a little a, a little upset. Hmm. I think a white, a white Cracker Jack box probably made them upset as kids. And now look, now that now they, they've never gotten over it. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Purcell is with us. She is writer Harley Davidson around the country raising money. They can't even get over it. <laughs> yeah. Some, you know, it's traumatic for some kids. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Or maybe it was having the Montreal Expos up there. I don't know. Um you are right around the country, and one of the highlights of this trip is you got to go to Milwaukee and to uh, get a tour and talk to the people at the Harley-Davidson factory and, and uh, the home base there in Milwaukee. That, for you, mm-hmm. must have been a thrill, Joni. It was exciting. We got up in the morning, and it was raining, pouring rain again, and we rode over to the tour center, and and got to see how our engines are made. And it was fascinating. And, oh, my gosh, robots are taking over. And how they how they put it together makes me feel even better about riding a Harley because it's, it's, a, it's an art, and it's beautiful. All those internal parts look like a piece of jewelry before they put them into the casing. They were, they were an awesome team, and... Most of the people we met there were over 20 years employed. So there's like this great, big, huge, happy family. And today we, you know, we see turnover with people 
most of them will have 12 jobs in their lifetime. And these people have been lifers. It's yeah. pretty cool. But they all get along and seem like this great big family. Yeah, there must be an immense um, feeling of pride working there, putting out a product like a Harley Davidson, which is, you know, the standard. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and also it's, um, you know, so famous uh, in movies and, and so many different stories. I mean, from the old days, I mean, it's just a great American story. And plus, if you work there, you went through some changes with AMF bought them and, you know, in 20, 25 years. You've, you've seen some stuff and probably worried for a while about your job, but, you know, but they're not, they're not really workers. They're, they're like, even the people in the office are like craftsmen, craftspeople. Mm-hmm. We got to visit with Billy Davidson and the AMF conversation came up and he was very, um, he was very hopeful in explaining how that transition trans- transitioned back to the Davidsons and what that took to make that happen. And yeah. it was very gracefully done, and he was a doll and warm and welcoming. He was sorry his sister wasn't there, but it was a great conversation to get to learn about the company and how they how they changed it back. And what was the, I, what was the, Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Uh, what, what, what was the coolest thing you saw about the Harley-Davidson play? Was there something that just blew you away when you went in there? You know, going into the archives and seeing, um, what do they call them, uh, concept cars? Only these were concept motorcycles. Yeah. They were crazy. And why don't you put that out there on the road? It's beautiful. But it's it's fun to see what they play with and how they come up with other designs. And we went into an area where the archive guy, I can't, <laughs> terrible, I can remember his name, but I, I can't read the second. He's got all these books, and in the books are authentic pictures that go back so long. People sending pictures in that they found in a, a chess when their grandpa died. It's really, it's really fun to know that they have kept the history. And you know, um, when you ask people what 3M makes, they go, oh, post-it notes. And the truth is, it's Minnesota Mineral and Mining, and they've been on the forefront of changing their company as times changed. Right. And the cool thing about Harley is they have a product that they really haven't had to change because it's still desired and it's still, you know, one of the funnest things to do. So you look at companies that, you know, evolve with changes, which is great. They've been able to just stay in their lane and perfect their product. So I think the archives were very interesting seeing you know, all of the motorcycles that they have up on all these racks that will never be ridden. They're just the collection. It was fun. I mean, they had racing, all these racing bikes that they had found. Uh, a team had had them, and they took them all, and they put them in the archives. And they'll, how, who knows how long that's going to be around or how long we'll be around to get to see it in, I don't know, 500 years or something, but... Uh, it was very interesting, and I, I'm really grateful that we 
were able to meet Billy, meet all the staff, and see the archives. And the museum's beautiful. It's nicely done. They're very tasteful. Um, we had a great time. Good, good, good. You know, that that's the great thing about doing something like uh, uh, the 75 Days of Summer, the tour that you're on, is, you know, you, you raise money. You have people pledge money, and you raise money, and you've raised um, how much? How much have you raised so far, Johnny? I think we're just shy of fourteen thousand. Oh. I had reposted oh. everything and thought, you know, can we hit fifteen by the time we get home? It doesn't matter. What matters is people did contribute, and at least it's it's a little bit, and a little bit might work. My buddy right. Mike said, well, "What if that's all they need to cure it?" Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's and it's such a fun way. It's such a win-win because you get to do something that's really cool. You get to talk to people about it. You get to act as an ambassador for Drive Toward a Cure. Uh, people get the satisfaction of watching you and knowing you. It's not sitting in front of a video game or something like that. You're actually watching uh, a human drive their motorcycle all over the country, raise money, uh, see different things, and um, and. and it takes you, um, you know, it gives you that immense feeling of, of, of when you help somebody, when you do something for somebody, when you take pleasure in their enjoyment. Uh, you know, it works for everybody. There's no downside to it, which is really what life should be. If we could participate at this level all the time, it'd be wonderful. Oh, really? You know, unplugging from work which I, I did and I didn't, but unplugging from the TV and the, and the radio and constantly being busy with activities and then plugging into what we have. I am the luckiest person on the planet right now. Uh, well, you know, we're lucky to, to have you to do this because it's such a wonderful thing, uh, you know, helping people raise money to find uh, a solution, a, a cure, something uh, that will help people with this, uh, this disease that, uh, you know, just, uh, it, it so disables people. And so, uh, you know, takes their quality of life away. And because you're out on the road doing this, hopefully later this year, I'm going to get out on the road and do something for it. Um, it, it really, it, you know, it uh, it brings light to it. It makes people think about it. And and besides the money you raise, that's something that we have to do too. We have to we have to keep this stuff like in top of mind awareness. And mm-hmm. what you're doing, really, I think, you know, uh, keeps it. People remember that. And and not only does it does it um, keep them aware of you on a motorcycle, but it keeps them aware of the people that have this disease and what they can do to help them. It's a good conversation starter. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I, I do. I feel very fortunate. I think that Mike and I, at this point, you know, we're getting close to home and yeah. <laughs> these clouds are killing me because I'm looking at a peak right now that's still covered in snow. And it doesn't oh, look like it's that far away from us, but it's it's so beautiful. But I do think the last 34 days have been something that we never dreamt would happen the way it happened. But it's been a bonus all the way around. 
What is the most beautiful thing? Is there one thing that sticks out in your mind on this whole trip that you were just, you know, you look at it and you were just awestruck? It's it's funny. I'm not going to mention the scenery. I'm going to mention a car coming up and starting to pass, then backs up, gets their camera, and takes a picture of the bikes, pulls up next to us, gives us the peace sign, the little kids in the back seat waving as we go by them. Those are the sights that add to this this terrain and and the happiness that we can see in people. People are people are pretty doggone cool if you let them be. Oh, uh, that that's awesome. You, you know that that's such a great answer because you know normally somebody would say, oh, this mountain or this river or you know this that or the other thing, but when you put a smile on people's faces and I know that that driving a Harley does that not only your face, but it, you know, people, people love to talk to people that are on motorcycles. They love to, I mean, there's some idiots out there to try to, you know, run you off the road and stupid stuff like that. But for the most part, people look at, at somebody on a motorcycle, especially, I, I, I mean, really when now traditionally people say, Oh, it's a couple of guys on a motorcycle. When you pull off, you take off your helmet and they see that you're, you know, a, a beautiful woman. Do um, do, do people get kind of blown away a little bit by that? They do. Um, women are excite, mostly excited, and have a conversation. You go in the bathroom, and there'll be someone standing there, and it's like, "Is that bike out there yours?" Yes. Oh, it's so pretty. And <laughs> the guys, they look, but they don't want to look. You know, we've gotten guys to a place that they walk on eggshells because they might say or do something wrong and um saying hello to them brings them back but it's it's really fun i one hotel we were staying in i was loading my bike and i go walking back in and this little adorable maybe three-year-old uh was at work with his his dad and he looked at me, he had all the gear on, and he got the biggest smile on his face. On his face, and I said, "Did you want to go with me?" And he he starts running, and I'm headed to the room to get the rest of the stuff to take out. And his mom comes running at me, and she goes, "Oh no, no!" I open the door, and I said, "Well, he wants to go for a ride," but he was so excited just to see all the goofy stuff that we wear because he probably hadn't seen that before. Wow. And that was, those are the things that are fun. Those are the thing, things that, you know, you want to, you want to grab them and kiss them and hug them and oh, you might man. get in trouble for doing that. But those are the things that are fun. That's, you know, that, that's just, a, that's a heartwarming story. You know I mean? That's, that's what we, we need more of these kinds of stories these days. We see so much bad stuff in the world. It's great to hear the good stuff. You know, it's great to hear that, uh, you know, the people are out there and they're, and they're enjoying themselves again and they're uh, starting to, who knows, maybe maybe your ride made somebody a little kinder that day and they did something nice for somebody. I, you know, you never know. I'm, a, I'm one of those uh, internal optimists, you know. I am too. Mike and I got off to get gas yesterday and we fill up and we turn around and we're headed back to the road and here's a guy. And I was in front, Mike was in back, and he was broke down, had the seat off of his bike, and it was a Harley. And Mike yelled at him, did you need help? And 
we pulled over and ended up, he, he had a part and we were headed into Billings and he said, you know, um, would you, would you take this in and get us a part, get me a part and bring it back out? And, and my question was, cause we, you know, we wanted to we're, we've got a time crunch and we um, need yeah. to meet some people today. And <clears throat> so we got the part and went into um, so Beartooth, Harley Davidson, and they didn't have the part, but he gave us his name. I called them, told him they didn't have the part, and told him what the part was because he didn't know. And he said, you know, well, thanks. I said, do you want us to tell him to throw it away? Yep. And then last night he sent a text and said, because I had accidentally sent pictures to him of, of our granddaughter and not my husband. And I said, sorry, wrong guy. And later he texted and he said, are you the folks that stopped to help me? I said, we are. And he said, that was so nice of you. And I really appreciate that you took the time to try. And, um, you know, he reached back out, but that's cool. We tried to help him and we really couldn't, but we, that, at least we tried. But you know, like they teach you, you know, when you're growing up and you go to Catholic school, they teach you that, you know, doing the sin is one thing and then thinking about it. Well, I think it works in reverse too. The intention to help somebody is as good as actually helping them. You know, it's like two good things you do and you intend to do it. And if, even if it, if it doesn't work, you still made the intent, intention, you made the effort. So I think, uh, I think you did good, Joni. Um, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Now, how, when will you finish up sometime this week? Tonight. Tonight. Tonight's it. All right. Well, well you yeah. know, you're finishing up your ride and people can go on, drive toward a cure.org and we'll put it on our Facebook page, drive toward a cure.org. And it can contribute still to your, um, to your ride. And also if they, if they do Vinnie, if they do, um, after org slash Joni, J O N I, then it will go in to, um, the funds that we've been raising. And if they don't, they're still sending money to the cause. Right, right, and, and that's important. But we like you to get the, uh, you know, we want to get you to that fifteen thousand dollar goal that you uh, that you have. That we want to get you so there. So much fun! That would be yeah. awesome. So, drive so drive to dot org slash Joni slash Joni, and then also um, tomorrow, starting t- t- uh, tomorrow. Uh, the drive tour to cure 75 days of summer starts and go to the website and learn more about that. It's great about that. There's great prizes over $15,000 in prizes, uh, drawings, grand prizes, and all sorts of cool stuff. A lot of people last year won a lot of cool stuff, uh, by contributing because they, uh, they get a little something back for what they give. Joni, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I wish you continued good luck. Thank you. And you take care of yourself and be safe on the road. Okay, we will. Take good care of you. All right, Joni, you take care. You can find, if you go to Drive Toward a Cure, Joni's writing a blog about everything she's done. So you can kind of travel, do her travels with her. And uh, of course, again, as I said, Drive Toward a Cure dot org is uh, where you can go find more information about the organization. 
about the different activities. I think they have something going on in Portland um, next month, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but a, a bunch of different activities uh, along the West Coast and even as far back as the East Coast to uh, to get you involved with the organization and uh, help raise money to uh, hopefully one day eradicate a disease that I, I don't know anybody who has some relative somewhere who hasn't uh, uh, endured this uh, disease. So let's, um, matter of fact, I was just thinking about it last week, but it was Michael Fox's birthday. And, um, you know, he, uh, of course, his career cut short uh, by Parkinson's disease and a shining light. Uh, though for people with it because he's brought attention to it. All right, let's, um, well, you know what? Why don't we do that uh, time-honored tradition that we have on this show because uh, Nathan itches at the itch to to ask me this question. So, uh, Nathan, how are you? I am doing great. How about you, Vinny? Oh, Nathan, I'm doing just ducky, man. How's your tires? (laughs) They're doing good and really testing out their all-season performance with this atmospheric river coming through the pacific northwest as they call it is that what they're calling this an atmospheric river huh that's what they say i don't really know what that means i just know yesterday or the day before it brought us like more than an inch of rain which is quite a large amount for the seattle area even though we're known for a lot of rain right because the rain here comes usually spread out when you see it all come in one you know one shot like that you really do start to get a little uh a little nervous, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but everything's going well with those and yeah, handling the roads just nicely. I mean, it feels like the roads are still dry, so really excellent all season tire. If you're looking for a good one. Awesome. Awesome. And that's right, not a sales right. pitch. That's user experience. See, I like, well, that's, that's what we have here. We have you. That's why we drive the cars. That's why we do all the stuff because we, uh, you know, we, um, we like the user experience. Now, you have a question you want to ask me? Always. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan, I'm such a surprise that you asked me that question. I don't know how I how I possibly didn't uh, didn't see that coming. Oh, I'm driving. A, I'm, I'm driving. A, am I driving a car this week, Nathan? I am driving the um, 2022 Toyota Avalon, which is the big Toyota HSE. And uh, this is, you know, if you like cars, if you like sedans, if you like uh, roomy, spacious, um, uh, you know, comfortable cars, this, the Toyota Avalon HSE is uh, what you, uh, w- what you want to be looking at. It's a hybrid. It is, I don't know if you remember, uh uh, I don't know, six months or so ago, or maybe even a little bit more, I drove the, uh, you know, the top of the line, the Avalon uh, TRD, which was this, you know, hopped up Avalon. This one isn't as hopped up because it's a hybrid, but it's a beautiful car. It's silver and black, black grill and, you know, black accents, a little spoiler on the back. And it is, um, it is just a fine Automobile. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I drove this thing as, as I've driven it the last two days. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why does somebody go out and buy a Lexus for $10,000 more when they could buy this? And it's really, I mean, it's, it's this, you know, almost the same car. You don't get the wood accents. You get the, you know, but you get leather, you get uh, everything is put together on the car nicely. 
you know, so far, I've just uh, I've enjoyed this car. I'm going to take it on a bit of a road trip uh, starting today and kind of get out on the road with it and, and try to enjoy it uh, in that way because that's what this really is. It's a big, beautiful road car, but it is um, spacious. It you know, if you're a big guy like me, big woman, you uh, you fit in this car easily. The, the getting in and out of it is very easy. Uh, plenty of trunk space. It, it's just a it, it's a great automobile. And it, the, the unfortunate thing about these cars and this one in particular is this is going to be the last year for it. Uh, Toyota's going to uh, jump off of the bigger sedans. They want to kick out more pickup trucks. And so the Avalon will uh, will go away, which, uh, again, I think is sad because I think there's a market out there for the for sedans and especially now with the price of gas going the way it is. You know, I I, I, I just uh, I sure to think that people are going to go out and buy gas guzzling huge pickup trucks uh, when gas is sitting at six dollars a gallon, seven dollars a gallon. A lot of places out here on the West Coast that uh, if you don't need a pickup truck, if you can tow um, your trailer or whatever it is with a sedan, you're saving some money and saving some gas. And that's not a bad thing, ultimately. But this, uh, as I said, this uh, hybrid is, uh, it, it, it dips the scales at around mid-40s uh, with all the equipment. But it's a, a top safety rated uh, vehicle. And it's got the Toyota hybrid system, which is, uh, you know, bulletproof. I mean, it really is. It's uh, th- th- becoming the standard. So that's what I'm driving this week. We'll have a full report, full review for you next week. Coming up in the show, we will, in fact, uh, take a, take you on a, a walk through the uh, Hyundai Santa Fe, uh, which has come up with a uh, uh, an XRT edition uh, that uh, is, uh, well, is it? Meaty, beefy, or big and bouncy? Is it a real solid off-road vehicle, vehicle contender. Quick break, and then we'll come back, and we're going to go down to Tacoma to talk about relic trailers. Yes, classic trailers. It's a thing, and it is uh, coming up here on Drive Time Radio. Bright new beginning to a beautiful 1968. Chevrolet's Impala Sport Coupe. Dramatically new. Distinctively styled. What strikes you first is the beautiful harmony of line. Every curve, every sweep is clean and compatible. Modern, fresh design. And inside, Chevrolet remembers your comfort with new colors, new fabrics, new instrument panel. Security, too, with the proved GM energy-absorbing steering column, new side marker lights. Impala 68, unforgettably beautiful. Right back to its new recessed taillights. Impala, America's favorite car, is at your Chevrolet dealers. Who reminds you, be smart, be sure, buy Chevrolet. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. All right, welcome back to Drive Time Radio here on a Saturday morning. Uh, Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Even if it's raining in Seattle, it's a beautiful day. And I'm going to show you something here and, and turn you on to something 
automotive, that's really beautiful. When you talk about beautiful things, you talk about classic cars, classic trucks. This is the time of year, everything, everybody. And, and really, for the first time in a couple of years, getting their iron out of the garage, getting their um, you know, vehicles out, shining them up and getting them out to car shows and rallies and so on and so forth. All great stuff. Well, I have come across something that I think is really cool. And I wanted to, you know, turn you folks onto it as well. It is a, well, it's, it's a two-part thing. Number one, it is the Roslyn Vintage Trailer Rally, which is going to be going on June 24th. It starts Friday, June 24th, goes till June 26th at noon. And all of these vintage trailers and all of these beautiful, I don't know, relics, whatever you would want to call them, is going to be in Roslyn. Uh, it's going on for a couple of days. You'll be able to go out there, look at them, see them, talk to people about them. And, and I'll tell you what, with the amount of people that are going out with RVs on the road right now, I, I like, you know, you know me, I like to drive something a little bit different, right? Put, take one of these, you put it on the back of your car, and I'm, it, it's beautiful. I mean, they even have fins. So uh, to, to talk a little bit about this is one of the people that are organizing this event and also uh, owns Relic Custom Trailers Manufacturers down in Tacoma. And if you go to their website, you will find some incredible, incredible looking uh, uh, custom trailers. They even have fins and little bullet taillights. It's so cool. It's like a 58 Chevy in the back. Uh, Jane Barakala is with us. Jane, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. Good, good, good. So let's start with the rally first. Talk a little bit about the rally. Um, tell me, I mean, is this, you don't see a lot of vintage trailers on the road. So is this a huge thing? Or am I and my audience missing something here? Well, it's definitely become a huge thing. Um, a lot of people are really getting into um, restoring and saving Americana. And um, the, the fun part about these vintage trailers, you kind of touched a little bit on like the vintage cars and having like the sets and stuff. When you go to vintage car shows, typically you're not really allowed to touch the cars or sit in the cars. But when you go to vintage trailer rallies, you're welcomed inside the trailers to check them out. And I, I really think, I think when people get to go inside them and see them, it just brings back a lot of memories for people. Yeah. And, you know, things just aren't built like they used to be also, you know, it's, um, they're definitely worth saving. And I think people have realized that and are really starting to do that. And it just makes me really happy. Does it now? When we talk and we talk vintage trailers, we're talking ones that have, were built in, I guess, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, correct? Seventies, I guess. And then you also, though, build them custom from the ground up, don't you? Yes, we absolutely do. So we manufacture um, our little fiberglass trailers. They're called the relics. They're little thirteen foot solid one piece fiberglass. We're one of the only ones on the market that are solid like that. So, you know, no leaks, which is important here in the Northwest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, we've been restoring trailers for many years and what we've learned with the restoration business we've implemented in our manufacturing. So we, we build these trailers just like they did back in the fifties and sixties with solid materials, 
we do not skimp. We, we like to call them heirloom quality trailers because like I said, they just, they just don't make them like they used to anymore. And so we, we pride ourselves on, on doing just that. These will last another, you know, 50, 60 years before you need to do anything to them. They are definitely not disposable units. Right. And, and as you, as do you, uh, do you find more people when they get an older RV, uh, older trailer, um, do they look at, look at it and say, you know what, uh, this is, is got this and that, and I got to rip it all out. It's easier just to go buy the new one that you can make for them. Or is there a sentimentality about a certain, like an Airstream or a, an old Dodge that maybe dad had and mom had, and then you go back and you're, you're riding the same, it might not be the same one, but the same kind of trailer that you rode in uh, when you were a little kid. Correct. I think there's a nice mixture of both. There's, um, you know, there is a comfort in knowing that you're buying something that has a warranty and that's brand new and, you know, isn't going to give you any problems, but looks like it just came out of a barn. Like you just found it, you know, a little time capsule, but there's, there's also something really special about taking an authentic vintage trailer and restoring it and putting in, you know, the modern conveniences, but hiding them. So you have the USB ports, but they're not just out in the open, you know. Right. It, once they're restored, they are brand new. The only thing original and old is the title, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, now what, what are you seeing is the most popular uh, RV or trailer to restore right now? What, what, what are you seeing the most of in your shop? Airstreams. We yeah. see a ton of Airstreams come through. Um, they are very popular at the moment. Vintage Airstreams, 1950s and 60s, even into the 70s, like you said. If you, uh, I, I go on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and I always see, you know, the uh, the Toyota Hilux with the, you know, with the camper on the on the. You know, the front is the Hilux, the rest is the camper. There's the old Dodge with the round headlights, uh, a travel all, I think it is, or something like that. Uh, the old GM, big bus-looking campers. Uh, if you can buy one of those at a, at a decent price, are they worth buying? Are they worth um, restoring? Or is it better at this point? Is there so much work that when you get done with it, you're probably going to wind up better off just buying something new? Well, you know, I think I'm a little biased, but I do think that they are worth restoring. The The biggest misconception that we come across, however, is that people are buying these for very little money, you know, a couple thousand bucks. And they think that in order to restore them, it's going to be not very expensive. You're actually going to be in it the same as a brand new one. Um, oops, sorry. Uh, in it the same as a brand new one. Yeah. Um, but yours will be brand new when it's done too. You're just, right. you're just going to be way cooler than any of the big white boxes out there. Yes. You know? so that, and again, that's the thing for me. 
you know, and, and I'm a guy that's always owned vintage cars. I just sold my 62 Corvette, which I think one of these trailers would look dynamite. One of your relic trailers would look dynamite going down the street uh, behind. Uh, there's a, um, yeah, uh, uh, there's so many things that look alike. And for people who like uniqueness, people like to stand out in the crowd a little bit and have fun. And as you say, still have all the conveniences. Correct. Of, now, if you don't like people, you probably don't want one because right. you're going to attract people when you pull into a campground. Absolutely. You're right. If you don't like people, I would just go get a nice big white box and blend in with the rest of the majority. <laughs> and, that's, and that's pretty boring, I think. But <laughs> to each his own. Jane Baricella is with us from uh, Relic Custom Trailers down in Tacoma. They get the big uh, rally coming up the 24th of June in Roslyn. Uh, if you're not doing anything, I, I advise you to go out there and, and, and just check these things out. Even if you're not interested in RVs, it's something different, something unique, and something that, uh, well, you tell me a little bit about it, Jane. What, what, if, if I don't know anything about RVs, you're just telling me, Vinny, I want you to come out and just see what we're doing. Why should I go out and look at these things? Well, you know, it's such a neat community of people, first of all. Um, you know, it's just so much fun to see how creative people are with their trailers. They they have these interesting themes to them, the way they decorate them, um, all the vintage accessories that uh, people find and add to their campsite. Um, they're also just so welcoming and welcome you inside the trailer. They're very happy to tell you the history of the trailer, what they've done to the trailer. All the trailers are in different stages from, you know, original barn finds that have not been touched at all in 50, 60 years to they just purchased it and you know, have done just a little bit to it, to fully restored, to anywhere in the middle. And you just get to see so, so much creativity in that because each one is so unique and the owner is able to just personalize it. And you just see so, so much creativity. I just, that's, that's my favorite part. I, yeah. I am always so surprised at how cool people make these trailers and just the neat stuff that they find. And yeah, I, 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 I was at a, a good guy's thing a couple of years ago back in Ohio and there was a row of vintage motorhomes and people were letting you go in and take a look. And I mean, one was set up like a frat house. The other one was set up like a, um, I don't know in the movie 10 Dudley Moore's like kind of, bedroom kind of thing going on I mean, it was it was great everyone had a unique you know again if you go into the you know you go out and you buy the dodge ram winnebago everyone you go in is going to be mostly you know when they have a slide out one you know but but you go into these things and it's and it's just like going through it's like going through an old neighborhood yeah you know like if you go to, to tacoma to an older neighborhood you go into houses and, and it's you know 10 houses on the block and maybe they all look kind of the same but you go inside and they're all different it's the same kind of thing if you're if you're a house hunting or not house hunting but a person who likes to go to open houses i don't know what they call them probably people that like to go to open houses um <laughs> it's something that what else would you call them right uh voyeurs i guess i don't know um 
you know, you you go and you look and get and you just wow, you know, you just blow your uh, blow your mind with this kind of stuff. All right, the rally is the twenty fourth. You are down in Tacoma. If somebody wants is hearing this and says, you know, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like me. Um, that's you know, when I go to the Cougar game uh, over to Pullman this fall, I want to pull one of those behind me. It's lightweight. How much money are we talking? Uh, a, a typical, not not, and you know, ballpark kind of figure. I would say a safe estimate would be thirty. You know, thirty, thirty-five, depending on the options that you choose. Um, of course, if you pack it full of tons of vintage goodies, you can get closer to you know fifty, sixty. Um, it just depends. We do custom matching paint to vehicles, also. So, I mean, you can really get so far into it in customizing. You can get it. a purple or gold, purple and gold, or you could get a crimson and gray. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one, we'll do one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right, one more time. It's the 24th in Roslyn. Uh at the, it's downtown Roslyn, right? Yes, it's in Pioneer Park, Runji Field. Okay, great. And you probably won't be able to miss it because I would have to think that there would be a number of vintage RVs there. Correct. Hard to miss. <laughs> okay. no, I didn't get this show because I can't give people directions. <laughs> Jane, it's great to talk to you. We'll put a link on our Facebook and on our Twitter. If you want to know more information, go to the website at relictrailers.com. Uh, and if you're into camping and groovy camping, I call this groovy. Some people say glamping. I call yeah. it groovy camping. Uh, <laughs> this is something that you want to check out. Before we go, one more thing. I know that the RV industry this uh, over the last few years has been cranking out um, RVs out of Elkhart like it's going out of style. Uh, 650,000 when the usual capacity is 450 to 500. Um, are you, as a small manufacturer, isn't it better to, and again, if, if this RV, if, if this um, trailer fits your lifestyle, it's much better to go to you where you can sit there and, and kind of um, put this thing together as the person wants instead of waiting and going to, you know, Elkhart and all that kind of stuff to, uh, to pick up an RV, I would think. Correct. Well, we like to say that, you know, we build them to suit you and how you camp. So there's only what you want in the trailer and nothing that you don't need in the trailer. So you're not paying for anything that you're not going to use. You're you're getting something tailor made like when you know, when you get an outfit custom made, it fits you like a glove. And that's kind of what we do with these trailers. We we build them to suit your camping style. Awesome. Awesome. All right. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope a million people call you. I will uh, at some point uh, in time, um, I will get down. I really want to see your, your shop and see what you're doing down there and maybe do another video with you. I think you're doing a great thing. It's, uh, it's awesome to me that you put these things on the road uh, again, because, uh, and I don't know if I, did I invent the term groovy camping? Probably. You, well, we'll talk about licensing it then, you know, right. Yeah. Put it on the website, Groovy Camping. All right, Jane Baricella from Relic Custom Trailers down at Tacoma. Thanks for spending a little bit with us here on Saturday morning. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. And there we go. That 
Uh, our good friend Jane down at Relic Trailers in Tacoma. The rally is next uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Roslyn. We are, uh, I think, uh, I'm not going to promise this yet, but I think if we can work everything out, going to be there live next week. So we're, uh, we're endeavoring to do that. And uh, hopefully we will be out there, another live broadcast from uh, what I think is going to be kind of a very cool thing that you don't see every day. All right, let's, uh, let's jump right to our uh, time-honored feature, uh, the Drive Time Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this week, we take a look at the Hyundai Santa Fe XRT. Now, uh, I've done several reviews on this show over the last two years about the Hyundai Santa Fe. I love the Santa Fe. It's a great vehicle. It is, um, I mean, I love it so much that I have members of my family in the Santa Fe. That's how much I trust this car. I love this car. I think it's a reliable car. None of them have had any problems with uh, the Santa Fe whatsoever. It is a good, solid, mid-size SUV uh, that will, uh, you know, with all-wheel drive, will take you through uh, hill and dale, hither and yon, rain, snow, sleet, and uh, everything else to get you to the post office. So uh, there's no, no thought of that this is not a good car, okay? It's, uh, I, I recommend people to buy them. I think that, uh, that that really when it comes down to, I mean, you know, Toyota, the RAV4 kind of sits at the top of this class of vehicle, but the Santa Fe is right under it. And uh, over the years, it's proven to be reliable, has proven to be good. Yeah, they've had a couple of problems as we have seen with the recalls and everything like that. But for the most part, the Santa Fe was, uh, it is, uh, a, a very, very good uh, buy, a very, very good recommend to buy. So obviously I was excited when I saw I was getting the Santa Fe XRT, which is um, kind of the Subaru wilderness version of uh, the Hyundai Santa Fe. You know, you, you put some spoilers on it, some cladding on it, some, uh, you know, steps on the side, uh, some extra st- stuff to make it look really good. And usually they make them right side up as well. Um, but it's a really sharp looking vehicle. I love the color. I love the black wheels. I love the, uh, you know, the room in this car. Everything about it is great. So I guess what was going on here is I was expecting it to be um, something you could jump in and just go off road with, right? Uh, that's, see, that's where the problem is. It's yeah, it's it's comfortable. It rides well on road. It uh, the, the four wheel drive is intuitive and everything else, but it doesn't have any off road chops whatsoever. You know, to more than just any other average SUV. No additional ground clearance. No additional um, uh, you know shocks or sway bars or anything that would distinguish it from a street version. Uh, it, the regular Santa Fe, it just looks better. It, that's all it is. It just looks better. Now, again, it's a good vehicle, but if you are saying to yourself, hey, you know, I want something with some, uh, you know, serious off-road chops, 
and on a super, uh, excuse me, a, a Hyundai person, you're going to have to take this car to the shop. You're going to have to have springs put in. You're going to have to have shocks put in. You're going to have to have it raised up a little bit uh, to, uh, you, you know, to, to accomplish it. So 35,380, it looks great. It drives great. But Hyundai, you should have put the off-road stuff in there so it would also take you wherever you want to go up in the woods. That's another edition of Drive Time. I'm New York Vinny. Thank you so much to our good friend George Jackson at the Keith Slater and to Nathan, the producer. We'll catch up with you next week on Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise.